Hello and welcome to Automators. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. David Sparks. How are you today, David? Outstanding, Miss Orchard. And yourself? I'm very glad to hear it. I am also doing very well. And we have a great guest for today's episode. Welcome to the show, J.F. Frissett. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be with you today. I, uh, I have to admit, J.F. is like one of my best buddies. So we talk on the phone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we so it'll be weird if I like diverge into something random today. That's why. <laughs> but JF is also an automator and does a lot of cool automation. And we thought let's share some of those automations with the world. Um, uh, so JF is, used to be, well, you were a bassist, but you were also a conductor with Cirque du Soleil for a long time. I was, yes. Uh, that uh, This is why I moved to Las Vegas where, where I'm from now. Um, and I spent time, about 15 years, with uh, Cirque du Soleil, and I was playing bass, a little keyboards, and also I uh, was the band leader for many years. Yeah. And that led me into some type of automation when it comes to running a show like that one. It was pretty good. I was part of the creation of Mystere, the original resident show, as they're called over here in Las Vegas. And uh, further along, I joined O for about uh, just almost five years. It's pretty pretty amazing. The way you and I met is we were both speakers at uh, Mac Mac World back when there was such a thing called Mac World, and um, we used to hang out together back then. And uh, you do a lot of uh, of computing, a lot of Apple related computing. Uh, one of the things JF does is he's the supervising editor for Screencast Online, which means that um, well, tell us what that means, JF. Oh yeah, I, I love I love working uh, for Don and Screencast Online. We have a great team over there, and incredibly, I think it'll be like three years since I joined uh, Don and his team. Come April of 2020, so it's already over two years. Supervising editor, my role has to do with uh, checking all the content that we produce every week. So for those of you who, who probably know already about Screencast Online, there is a weekly full show every Friday, and every Tuesday there's a shorter tip show. And people, we have a lot of presenters, really great presenters, and they cover little, little ditty, little apps, little tips and tricks. And we have a longer show on Friday. So my role is I, I basically grab all those shows and review for content and accuracy, and uh, if needed, give feedback to presenters. They're all so good that I typically don't have to. And then I also do the assembly, which is all the graphics, all the chapter names, and so on. Uh, this is all done in ScreenFlow. Uh, that's the video side of things, so video editing and assembly. And then on the copy side of things, I, I'm also responsible for reviewing every submission made to the monthly magazine for Screencast Online. So there, are, the articles are submitted. I copy, edit them, make corrections if I need to. Then later on when the magazine uh, is assembled, uh, then it gets back to me and I do a proofreading, a last proofread of the magazine. And then finally, the weekly newsletter that we have every comes out every Friday. I also uh, look at this. And then one more thing that I forgot to mention, the captions. So of course, uh, we caption every single show. And when the captions come back from being transcribed, we use a popular service called Rev, based in San Francisco, and they have transcribers all over the world. When these captions come back, it is my job to go in and make sure that everything looks good when it comes to capitalization, shortcuts, the way they're, they're formatted, and uh, all matters of perhaps misheard words, stuff like that. So it's a really, really great, great amount of work, but I love it so much. I love that type of work. And of course, it leads itself to automating a lot of things too. Yeah, I was going to say, you must have a lot of systems and probably a lot of automations in place because the captions and things like that, getting all of that 
attached to a ScreenFlow video. I mean, I, I've, I've tried doing it before. I've also failed miserably at it before because it's <laughs> not easy. Um, so I'm guessing you've got a lot of things set up there to help you get this all done. We ab- we absolutely do. Uh, there's lots of really great systems, and Don has been really instrumental in creating and maintaining and updating uh, as a lot of scripts that we use. And there are a variety of them. Some of them are Bash scripts, others are Apple scripts, and they're all mixed together. We use uh, a collaborative system called uh, Podio or Podio, and that's a really wonderful way also to collaborate and make sure that everything gets passed through to the right person at the right time. And all these include automated uh, steps, and that speeds up the workflow quite a bit because we are quite spread out. Now, of course, Don is in the UK, in the Liverpool area, and we have uh, Rob also that's uh, our post-production assistant who's also in the UK. I have presenters here in the US and also in the UK. And my, I'm myself being in Las Vegas, of course, all the time zones are mixed up. And so we have to coordinate in such a way that things get done while you know some of us are sleeping or some of us are up. So we try to find ways to speed things up. Um, just this morning before I joined you guys, uh, I, uh, I was editing uh, a new show for this week and I went through all those workflows. So I'm, I'll be able to talk about it quite a bit fresh on my mind. Excellent. Well, in addition to ScreenFlow, JF does all sorts of additional um, automation. We're going to talk today about some of the terminal, regular expressions, maybe even getting into shortcuts a little bit. I don't know. Let's see how how we do. But I think we should probably start talking about ScreenFlow because you don't just do Don's work. I know you do um, editing for hire for lots of folks. Automating that is the way that you can really make it work for you. When you do it for a living, obviously, you got to get rid of all the extraneous steps that you can so let's just talk a little bit about that. Um, how are you um, automating ScreenFlow? Yes. Uh, well, you've got a good point. ScreenFlow uh, needs to be automated, in my opinion, if you're going to use it as much as I do, uh, whether working for Screencast Online or, as you said, for other people that require my my help, my editor help for ScreenFlow. I've been using the app pretty much since it was born, and so I'm super familiar with it, and I've lived through all the upgrades and so on. But still, you know, software by definition is is imperfect. And so sometimes you need to um, to roll your own, as, as, uh, as you would say. Uh, my favorite tool to work alongside ScreenFlow has been and continues to be Keyboard Maestro. Uh, and the reason for that is because I'm able to automate certain things that normally would take several steps to do manually, even if they involve shortcuts. For example, um, for those of you who might know ScreenFlow, there are ways to apply transitions to different types of clips at the beginning, at the end of the clip. You can do that with keyboard shortcuts, but when you do it repeatedly, uh, why not combine those moves along with a rewinding of the playhead to a, fr- to a place a little earlier in the screencast and a tap of the space bar so you can listen and see your edit right away. So a lot of the ScreenFlow macros that I've programmed over time, some of which were provided to me with Don and we talked about them and we tweaked them a little bit. And I think I might've shared a couple with you, David, as well. Uh, those are really useful. I keep finding new ways. Just this morning, I, I was working on looking at the steps that you take. And for me, this is what where automation really shines, is slowing down enough to be able to identify something that you may not even realize you're doing repeatedly. And some of those things happen, for example, when you insert what we call chapter markers. They're both visual on the screen, and there's also a marker inside ScreenFlow. And so identifying all the steps required to do this and then creating a macro to automate the process makes my work a lot more efficient, a lot faster, and and honestly, a lot more accurate as well. If you uh, if you take out any kind of manual typing from there, you you eliminate the chance for for a typo or something like that. 
and something uh, something else. And, and David, you turned me on to this part of Keyboard Maestro when I was working on your field guide for Keyboard Maestro, and that's the clipboard history switcher. And that's a wonderful window that shows you the uh, the latest things you've pasted, but you can make a few favorites out of those that will stick and be available to you. And that includes objects in ScreenFlow. And, and some of you may not know this. If you're a ScreenFlow user out there and you have Keyboard Maestro, when you copy an element, a graphical element from ScreenFlow, it will show up in the clipboard history viewer switcher, I should say, and you're able to paste it repeatedly. And it's a lot faster than having to copy, go back in the timeline, copy that object again. It remains the same. And so all these things put together for me really make my work a lot more enjoyable and a lot more efficient. Well, also, I mean, it also helps avoid error. So the the workflow Jeff is talking about is in ScreenFlow. And, and I guess I should say, this doesn't just apply to ScreenFlow. This applies to any application that you spend a lot of time in. But in ScreenFlow, when you go back, like if you have a graphic element and you've got the line thickness and the color just right, then you have to go back and find a prior iteration of it, copy it and paste it. But the problem is sometimes you copy it, but you forget to unselect it. So then you move forward in the playhead and you start moving things around and nothing seems to be working. And what you're actually doing is screwing up the prior iteration of that graphic element because it's still selected and you don't even realize it. And sometimes it actually makes it into the shipping product if you're not careful. So by, by uh, you know, cut, making a custom clipboard for it and having this like on-demand access to it, you're more accurate and you are, uh, you're safer for the, for the product. That's amazing. How do you trigger all of these automations then, JF? Are you using keyboard shortcuts? Or are you using one of the palettes in Keyboard Maestro? I, so it's a combination of things. Uh, a lot of times I'll use palettes because I find that with, with a number of macros, it's, it becomes difficult to select uh, keyboard shortcuts uh, with the keyboard. You tend to run out of them after a while. You can, of course, limit, but you tend to run out of them, even if you have uh, carabiner elements and, and the like, which I do have set up on my machine. So a lot of times I will hit, in, in my case, I have assigned F13 to uh, a floating palette from Keyboard Maestro that has a few workflows and there are a few macros. And I can simply hit that. I also have the trigger macro by name assigned to a function key on my extended keyboard. And with a couple of letters, I can type letters and the macro is brought up and I hit return and it executes. So those are ways I do that. And the thing JF does that I found kind of helpful or instructional to me the type, some of the types of automation he's doing, and this would apply equally to Excel or Word as it would to ScreenFlow, is he looks at those tedious things where like you've got to hit the arrow key five times and then some keyboard shortcut and then the arrow key two more times or a tab key. You know, like the things where you're stringing together little manual acts that you don't even think of, as he said earlier in the show, things you don't even realize you're doing repeatedly. But uh, the the JF automation radar is very sensitive, and it seems <laughs> like you always find those things, and you take the five left arrow clicks plus keyboard shortcut plus tab key, you turn that into one automation, which, it, when you think about it, if it's something you do five times a day or more, you know, it really makes a difference. It does make a huge difference, and that reminds me that when you talk about repeating certain keystrokes or certain elements of your macros or your scripts... Uh, Keyboard Maestro has a repeat function, which is really useful, and I certainly use it myself. Uh, rather than insert or copy and paste the same element five times, I, I think the programmer mind in me is thinking, well, this is this is really a loop. 
And so I, I basically right-click on the action, and then there is a repeat command in there that you can put in there and say, just say, repeat this action five times. And it happens fairly quickly. You don't need to put a delay for that type of stuff. The delay or the pause usually occurs afterwards. But you're absolutely right. Uh, stringing different commands together is is really one of the biggest workflow enhancements that I've I've witnessed uh, with the work I do. And I, I, I happily share those macros for people that want to. As a matter of fact, I think about the presenters at screen, Screencast Online, as well as you, David, and Rose, if you do some screencasts as well. And if you, of course, have any questions or you're curious about some of those macros, I'm, I am always wide open and want to share them with as many people because uh, nobody should spend <laughs> more time than they need tapping keys uh, when they can just trigger a macro and get it done quickly. Very generous. Thank you. There's a cool feature in Keyboard Maestro where you can make temporary macros. Um, and like I use this in Word all the time. Like if someone gives me a block of text that's got wonky formatting and you find yourself doing that thing where arrow down, tab key, you know, shift right to, or uh, was it command? I know that I know it with my fingers, but not, I don't know what, what keys shift I'm pressing. Right. Maybe to select yeah, the word. To, to select the word. Yeah. And then. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Shift option. Then, right. Exactly. And then, right. And then right. command B to un you know to fix make it bold and then return it's like you do this like weird dance of like seven keystrokes and you have to do it like 40 times because the way the thing gave you was formatted and with keyboard maestro you can just do that once and save that and then you just turn that into a one button macro it's very similar to what jf is doing but it's kind of more on the fly you don't really keep it you're not going to need it again but I love the idea of taking a critical look at some of these applications that don't necessarily make it easy and finding ways to force it to be easy through these keyboard maestro scripts. Exactly. And and I think one of the hardest things to do, I know it's it's true in my line of work because I'm I'm really busy with a bunch of different things, including screencast online, of course, is the ability or allowing yourself the time to slow down, give yourself an hour where you examine the workflow that you've had, or maybe jot down a quick note and drafts and remind yourself, look at the chapter marking process and see if there's a macro in there. Uh, if you don't jot that down, you've, you can very easily just go through the motion every time you do it and not think about slowing down enough to just basically pull back and look at your workflow and then generate a macro. It's the old adage, isn't it? People say, you know, well, you're spending so much time creating a script. In the time you created that script, I was able to finish my work. That may be true for a one instance thing, but then what about the next time? The next time we do the same thing, I'll be done in 20 seconds and you might be still spending the same 20 minutes to do the same work. So this is something uh, important to remember when people say, well, JF, you're wasting time slowing down on a Sunday afternoon, spending two hours identifying uh, macro opportunities. But um, in reality, I'm, I'm planning for the week after that when I yeah. have to do it again without spending the time that eliminates the resistance. I mean, there's this resistance when you know you've got to do a bunch of manual nonsense when you're working on some sort of file, you're less likely to actually work on the file. And when you can remove those areas of resistance, you know, make that barrier to entry lower, it makes it easier to actually do the work. Definitely. And also, because you've taken the time to automate it, that means that when you insert that transition, it will do it exactly with the five taps to the left, not four or six because you tap too quickly or too slowly and something happened in the wrong order because your keys, your fingers were moving ahead of your brain. You know, it, it, it 
does the same thing every time. And there is a lot to be said about automation for accuracy, which I think some people do overlook from time to time because it does make your life easier. Even if maybe running the automation could even take a little longer than theoretically doing all of those keystrokes manually, it's the same every single time, which makes your work look better as well. So, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more on that one for sure. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Head over to expressvpn.com slash automators for three months free with a one-year package. Now, you might think that nobody wants your online data or to snoop on you, but when you browse the web without anything to protect your privacy, they do. When you go to the coffee shop and sign up for that free Wi-Fi, you're putting yourself at risk with hackers and ad companies and other nefarious folks. And it does happen to people like us, which is why I recommend ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. Just download the app, click to connect, and you're protected. ExpressVPN was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It uses new cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there are no logs of what you do online. And it costs less than $7 a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Anytime I'm out of the house, I turn on ExpressVPN. It's super easy. All you do is you open the app and you press one button and you're safe. It's that ease of use that really makes the difference. When I went to the big Relay FM event up in San Francisco, I turned on ExpressVPN in the airport before I left and just left it turned on for the whole trip. So for the whole time, I was entirely protected. You can too. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash automators. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash automators for three months free with a one-year package. Take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash automators and our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the automators and all of FM. So JF, now you don't just do your automation in ScreenFlow. I know that you uh, apply your prowess across many devices and many apps. One that we don't get to often on the automators, though, is the terminal. Yes. Uh, the terminal is one of those apps that I really enjoy using for many reasons. Uh, I think one of the things I enjoy the most, and it's wor- simply you know working in Bash mostly in the, on the terminal, the Unix underpinnings, of course, of Mac OS X, that's what I use. Uh, using the terminal app, there are other apps out there, but I, I stick with the uh, the default terminal app in, on OS X or Mac OS, I should say. Uh, I just enjoy the the simplicity. It's a login item for me. So as soon as I power up my Mac Pro, my iMac Pro, I should say, I the, the app opens right away, uh, and I've set up a custom window. It's based on the Homebrew profile for those of you out there that use terminal. You know, a nice black background with. Green text originally that I turned more towards orange. I just enjoyed the simplicity, text only look, and uh, it just gives me a break from the busy GUI that we're always looking at all day. And also, to be honest, it speeds up certain things that I do. And one of the, my favorite things to do on on the command line is uh, is setting up a a file, a tiny little file that lives inside your home folder. It's a hidden file, so if you want to see it in terminal, you have to open the period or dot bash underscore profile. And that's a file that you can open right on the command line inside a simple text editor called Nano. 
uh, Vim or VIM would be probably overkill to edit the Bash profile. But I op- oftentimes open Nano, my Bash profile file, and just go in there and set up what are called aliases. In other words, single words that will trigger a command or several commands in a row, like opening an app, for example, or uh, going to a specific folder in the Finder, or even creating some directories or some folders in the Finder. So those are all things I find very useful. And I have a terminal window open all the time, and it's really saved me a lot of time. I also pipe what I do in the terminal sometimes to the uh, PB or pasteboard, as it's uh, what it stands for, pasteboard, PB, copy. Uh, that way I have it ready on the clipboard if I need it elsewhere. So those are all little things that I do uh, on a very regular basis. I really enjoy using terminal in that way. You were telling me when when we met for the first time uh, back in, in June um, that you also use the terminal instead of Spotlight in in many ways to launch applications and so on as well. Is is this something that's difficult to do, or is this something everybody could do? Oh, everyone can can launch an app in uh, in Terminal. So it's it's actually a simple command. The command on on in Terminal in Bash to open an app is simply the word open with a space, and then you put what's called a flag or an option. So that would be hyphen or dash the letter A for application, then a space, and simply typing the application's name that you want to open, then hit return. Now, if the application name, I'm sorry, if the application name has two or more words, you want to put quotes on the outside, inside the string with single quotes. But for example, if you wanted to open Safari, you could open it to a specific URL, but if you wanted to open the app by itself, you simply would type open space dash A space and the word Safari, then hit return. So if you're if you've already got a terminal in front of you because you're doing something else or you're you're mm-hmm. just exploring it, this is a great way to get started because it's really not difficult to do. You're going to have to learn that you need to type it in that specific order, but that that's mm-hmm. easy. And it, it becomes second nature after a while. And if you do it a ton of time and you want to save a little bit of typing, then you can create uh, one of those alias commands I was talking about. Uh, something else that's super useful when you're in the terminal, you, uh, look. depending on where you are in the file system, you can open the current folder that you're inside of in the terminal. If you want to see the window on the screen, you can simply type the word open a space and a period right away. And that opens the current folder that you're inside of on terminal. The window shows up and you can uh, look inside of it and do things that you need to do. I had no idea and I need that all the time at work. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> it's a fun one. Yes. And, you know, something else related to Terminal that I'd like to share with you guys is something really brilliant that um, you, you you both know Allison Sheridan very well. And uh, she has, of course, a podcast. And over the last several years, she was doing a really wonderful segment with uh, Bart Bouchotts over in Ireland called Taming the Terminal. And it, it was a fantastic series. And I didn't know it existed until... Oh, I want to say maybe a year or two ago, Steve, uh, Steve Sheridan, Allison's husband, decided to collect all those little episodes and collect them into one multi-part podcast. And that's really uh, something amazing that uh, all of you, if you're interested in learning more about the terminal, uh, Bart and Allison have this really amazing chemistry together. And it's just really great to, to see them explain and talk about the terminal and, and various commands. So I would I would highly recommend this series it's in a podcast that you can subscribe to, and it's a really wonderful series if you want to learn more about various aspects of using Terminal. So it's one that I love to listen to. It makes me smile. I learn new things. I confirm old things. It's just a wonderful way to learn about the command line. We'll have a link to this in the show notes as well for people because it is definitely really useful, and I'm going to be—I have, I have plenty of listening material for all of my upcoming flights. So 
I'm yeah. happy. The one thing I would add, though, if you're going to listen to it, listen to it in front of a Mac, because this is a thing you need to do to learn. And uh, and listening to terminal commands on a podcast while you're mowing the lawn is not going to not going to cut it. You know, <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent true, David. And I would e- I would even add to this: if you're on your Mac, you could do a split screen with the terminal on one side, and on the right side, you should open Bart's uh, web page uh, for every episode. He has a full blown set of notes with all the commands, all the examples typed out. So, a really wonderful labor of love that he did there. So, definitely shout out to Bart if you're listening. Well, that, that's the page that I've just linked in the show notes for everybody. So go check that out because even if you think, oh, I don't need the terminal, it's, you know, it's too complicated, there, there'll, be def- there'll be something that you can pick up there. Yeah, I do think for a lot of folks listening, the terminal is this intimidating thing that they're afraid of. And honestly, you don't need to be. There, there's a couple things you can do in there to wreck your machine, but you, you have to actually really try. You know, yes. it's a lot more forgiving than you think it is. And especially yes. if you just have someone instructing you along, just like JF was just doing, he just explained how to open an app. Um, if you follow that BART series, you're going to learn a lot more. Um, there is, uh, there's something to be gained from that knowledge. I agree. I agree. I'll share one more small tidbit about the terminal, which I love to show people. And this is a very simple utility. Uh, this is again in bash on the command line. There's a simple utility named CAL for calendar. And a lot of times when I show people things on the terminal, I do something very simple. And I say, hey, uh, Rose, do you remember what day of the week you were born on? Mm. And a lot of times people will say, I'm not sure. So what could you do to find out? You could go, certainly go to Fantastical or Calendar or your favorite calendar app and then look through the menus and go to the specific date of your birthday and then you'll find out what it is. However, on the command line, you can do that very quickly by using the calendar or the Cal utility. And the way it works is simply you type on the command line C-A-L followed by a space, the two-digit month that you were born in. You don't need the day at all space, and then the year you were born in. Then hit return, you'll see a cute little calendar of that specific year, that specific month, and then very quickly you can spot the date of your birthday and then find out what day you were born in. I was born on a Friday. You were? I've just just done this. (laughs) I've just done this. I was following your instructions. (laughs) Thank you, Rose. Yes, it's a fun one for sure. So I I teach that one to people all the time. Yeah, it's... There's some use there. I, I do wonder now. Apple is taking some of the terminal tools out with um, Catalina, as I understand it. I don't know all the details. I that- think they're actually switching. So at the moment, what we have by default in macOS is the Bash terminal, which is what JF uses. What mm-hmm. I'm familiar with. That's what's on most Linux systems. And I believe they're switching to ZSH by default. That is correct. Exactly right. Uh, if you want to continue using Bash, of course you can. Uh, someone to uh, really good to follow who gives great instructions as to how to download the latest version of Bash is our friend uh, Brett Terpstra. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he, he can give you instructions. But if you prefer to continue using Bash, which stands for Born Again Shell, for those of you curious about the name, Born Again Shell, just like Jason Bourne from the movies, <laughs> you can you can keep using it. But indeed, uh, Apple uh, Rose has switched across, and I'm not exactly sure. I haven't read about the exact reason why that is. Doctor Dran could probably let us know why that is, but. Uh, you can still use Bash if you like. All right. Continuing down the obscure but interesting, you also use regular expressions. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> By now, your 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 uh, your audience probably thinks I'm a little bit uh, a little bit odd in the way I use my computer because, of course, we have fantastic tools to search through text and find exactly what we need. But I became enamored with regular expressions a long time ago, thanks to someone named Kevin Skogland. He did a fantastic course on Lynda.com. And uh, I watched it several times. I was just, I became enamored with the idea behind so much power and flexibility in searching text strings in your files and finding very specific things. Let me wind back though, because I, I think some people don't even know what regular expressions are. So explain just kind of generally what they are. Sure. So regular expressions, uh, or a regular expression is a type of syntax that basically tells or instructs an engine on in the terminal to look for specific patterns inside a text file. Uh, you can use you can use regular expression, for example, to use and find every instance of a specific word and a ver- variation of a spelling. A common case would be, you know, color the U.S. spelled way and color the U.K. and Canada spelled way with the U C O L O U R. So you can, for example, create a very simple regular expression that says, "Hey." regular expression, look for the word color in this text file, this 20,000 word text file. And when you find either spelling of color, replace it with red, for example. So you can, with one command, you can say, look for the spelling C-O-L-O-R, C-O-L-O-U-R, either or, and replace it with, with another word, for example. It's just a, as an example. But you can also do more advanced things like well, I'm only interested in finding out what the word color when it is preceded by another word. For example, the article the, or maybe the color red. You can be very specific as to what it looks for by using what we call look, look behind and look ahead assertions. So with a little bit of time, you learn these commands a little bit at a time. And um, the best way to do it, of course, is to learn things that matter to you that you, that you will use rather than learn the whole thing. And very quickly, you realize that it's uh, it's quite powerful to be able to search your text files with uh, with that much precision and by telling specific things. And then on the flip side of that, this is uh, to explain how you can use it. When you use an app that supports regular expressions, for example, the one I use mostly to do find and replace is BB Edit. Uh, that's a really great one for that. Now, Drafts for Mac supports regular expressions, so you can have fun there too. Uh, OmniFocus supports regular expression. So if you have a database that's really complex and you want to find something very specific, you can do it there. But a nice example I can share with you viewers is uh, in BB Edit, what I sometimes do, I receive uh, .ics files. Those are calendar files. I could, of course, open the file in calendar or in my case, Fantastical. Go in there and modify the events if I want to add or, or remove something in the names, the names of the events that I have up there, if I receive a file from someone. But rather than do that, what I do instead is I open the ICS file in bbedit, and I've written a regular expressions that changed every instance of the name of the event, but only in that one spot in the ICS file. Because in ICS files, you sometimes have duplications between different sections of the calendar file. You may see this, the exact same text but you're only interested in changing the one instance that is preceded with something specific. For example, schedule colon space is what you're looking for. And whatever is after that is what you want to replace. Uh, and so 
what I ended up doing is creating a regular expression that found those things. We call those matches, by the way, in that language. So it matches what you want. And then in the replace string, you can use in the case of BB edits, sometimes it's dollar sign one. This is when you capture something that you want to replace. And you basically say, hey, I want to keep the word David, but I want to add a different word after that. So you, you're looking for David, you keep it, you capture it. And then in the replace string, you say, now instead of having, for example, David Sparks, I want you to write Sparks, comma, David. And this is something that's very easy to do using regular expressions that would take you several steps or maybe a keyboard maestro macro to do uh, in any other way. Yeah, if you think you know search and replace and you don't know regular expressions, you, you really don't know search and replace. It goes so far beyond what you do. I use them as well. I'm not what I would call a power user, but I, I know enough to be dangerous. And the same thing, I get stuff sent to me all the time on the legal side where I need to go through and make very complex search and replaces. And regular expressions is how you get that thing rolling. Uh, the, the trick in my mind is to get it into a text format and get it into BB Edit. I mean, mm -hmm. BB Edit was built for regular expressions. Um, the way I learned them was actually the BB Edit help file, which I found out years later was written by John Gruber. But, you know, Linda has courses on it. I think maybe, Rose, we should probably do a regular expressions kind of boot camp episode for automators. I think that sounds like fun, especially because uh, drafts on iOS and shortcuts also support regular expressions. So I think there's something in there for everybody, even if they, on the surface of it, think that maybe it's not for them, because there's so much you can do. I've always wanted to do it on MPU, but MPU, that's not really what that show's made for. And I think we can, uh, maybe maybe that's when we'll add some screencasts to and all right, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back to that. Well, So, JF, now that we've kind of talked about regular expressions, uh, what are some of the ways you're using them to automate? Uh, so besides uh, using the ICS file to change things, yeah. uh, it's essentially searching and replacing text or inverting different things, putting things in different places. It's absolutely 100% using search and replace. Uh, from time to time, if I need to, I can go on the terminal and on the command line and use the uh, the utility egrep, which stands for Extended Global Regular Expression. So that's also a tool available on the terminal. But I would say, uh, David, 99% of the time when I use regular expressions, it is in a text file when I'm looking for a specific pattern that I want to identify and then act upon. I also um, use regular expressions inside Pathfinder. They have a great renaming tool uh, that has a regular expression option. It's really, really useful when you, you're adding something specific to a file. I had not thought of that, but that's that's a really good use. Shift-Command-R for those interested. <laughs> Gets <laughs> you to rename a file. Uh, one more thing I, maybe I could mention for viewers who are interested in uh, dipping their big toe in there a little bit and just kind of start reading about it. There is actually a really well-written, simple app on, on the App Store called Expressions. That's Expressions with an S at the end. And it's a small utility that gives you a lot of details about what regular expressions are, what they do. There's an included glossary there, which is really interesting. And of course, I've just scratched the surface, but there's a few things that you can learn. And, and I, I bet you, you can identify certain things that would be useful for you if you look into it a little bit. And uh, yeah, it'd be good. And finally, uh, Taming the Terminal has a couple of uh, episodes on uh, regular expressions and, uh, and Bart dives pretty deep into them and he, he uh, teaches us some very useful skills. 
Yeah, the the app I use on iOS is called Pretty Regular Expressions. Um, the 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 people who make that app also have a, a second app called Text Case, which, funnily enough, also modifies the the case of text uh, as its name implies, which is something else you can do with a regular expression if you want to, uh, which I've I have done before. Uh, it's maybe not the most intuitive thing to get started with, but a regular expression can definitely help you get where you need to go if you're trying to do any kind of complicated find and replace there. Does pretty regular expressions like you write them and then show you how it's working? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's does. key. So, yeah. And it's and it's 99 cents. Yeah, it lets you write a pattern and then it and you put text in the bottom and then it highlights things and shows you exactly what you're doing, which is really useful. There's also a website called regex101.com um which uh it does the same thing but on the internet. Um, however, if like me, you spend an inordinate amount of time traveling and you're there on a plane going, Hmm, how does this regular expression work the way I think it does? Uh, it, it's really nice to have a little app on your iPhone or iPad that works offline. And it's 99 cents. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a win. Yeah, exactly. Get it while they're still in business. <laughs> <laughs> and no, no internet connection needed. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Pushcat. I'm really excited to tell you about Pushcat. It allows you to trigger iOS shortcuts based on time and location. So you might have a shortcut you want to run at 8pm, but only if you're at home. Or maybe when you leave the office, but only on weekdays. Even better, it connects to automation services like Zapier, Integromat, and If This Then That. So you can actually trigger those online actions without opening any app. Pushcat is great for DIY automation prompts like getting a robot to start vacuuming when you leave the house. If I had to describe Pushcut to my friends, which I hope I'm doing right now, I would say it is the best way to integrate any online automation with something that happens on your phone, like shortcuts. I personally use it so whenever an article of mine gets published on the suite setup, I get notified and I can run a shortcut which allows me to do a bunch of little automations in the background, like make a post appear on my WordPress site. I really like that it's so easy to use, and I would recommend Pushcut to anybody who wants to try out automation, automated notifications. Go to pushcut.io slash automators right now to check it out. Try all of the features for free and use it for your next automation project. Once you've seen what Pushcut can do for you, you can get a subscription for $1 a month for the basic or $2 a month for the pro version. That URL again, pushcut.io slash automators. Go there now, get automating. You're going to love it. Our thanks to Pushcut for their support of Automators and all of Really FM. So we're just coming around to iOS now. Um, I, I know that you're not a huge iOS user, obviously, with your, your love of the terminal. When they put a terminal on your iPad, maybe you'll be a little happier. But <laughs> do, you, do you use drafts or shortcuts at all? Absolutely. I use both of them uh, on a very regular basis. Drafts, like so many of us who use the app, is exactly where I go when I want to enter anything that has to do with text, whether it's dictating. I, I have, of course, the uh, in the to, in my uh, today view, I have the drafts widget there, which is so useful and so well written uh, by Greg, so wonderful. And yes, I do use drafts very extensively. I I like to use tags and workspaces, and it's just an f- incredible app. I, I have set up a set of custom actions that I use as well, uh, whether it's sending an email to somebody specific right from a draft or or sending it to Fantastic Out and parse it out there. So many incredible uses for drafts. And I'm a big, big drafts user. I uh, I subscribe to Drafts Pro. I have it on my Mac. 
And it's it's my go-to uh, plain text app for many, many things for sure. And as far as shortcuts, uh, David, you are teaching me so much about shortcuts right now. So thank you for that. <laughs> J- JF is helping me with the edits on the new shortcuts field guide, which I feel bad because I look at the Airtable and there's like 60 videos I've thrown at him in the last three or four but, weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah. thankfully, they're all typically, you know, in the five minute range. But I, I love yeah. that work so much. So yeah. thank you for thank you for asking me to help you with that. But yeah, I'm learning so much. Uh, David and Rosie are both astounding shortcuts users and i'm i'm a small fraction uh, my use is a small fraction of what you do but i get interested every day and my basically the way i think about shortcuts is much the same way as i do automation on the mac i think about a need i think about something i'd like to do better and i create new ones uh, very frequently and i enjoy seeing the app develop uh, i have someone that i that i see quite often here in las vegas who's also a huge automator fan uh, even gave him a sticker the other day. He was super pleased. And he, uh, he's someone that, that is, um, so invested in it and finding all kinds of really great ways to, to automate our life and make, make things easier. So it's, it's a fantastic app and I use both of them for sure. So what are you, uh, what are you doing with them? Anything interesting? Well, let's see. Uh, what are some of the things as far as shortcuts? Oh, you know, here in Las Vegas, this is going to come as a surprise to a lot of you, but I sometimes have to go very near uh, here and I don't need or want to get in a car just for a short, short uh, jaunt here. So I, I get on a city bus sometimes, and so I have a shortcut that tells me when the next two o six in my case is going to be. So I can actually trigger a shortcut that shows me the schedule right there. So that's kind of a novelty, very personal use of the app. I use that all the time. Is that a URL callback? How, how are you doing that? Well, the uh, the actual the actual app, which is not only for for here, it's it's an app that targets many cities. The app is called Transit, and they have they have support for shortcuts triggered with Siri. So I was very happy when I saw the update. So it's an app called Transit. So I I kind of tweaked a shortcut in there. So no URL callbacks in that case. Nice. That's very useful. And uh, nowadays, um, I would say that Launch Center Pro has probably taking a back seat to shortcuts these days because I find that I'm able to do a lot of things I used to do in Launch Center Pro without having to confirm. For example, a classic example would be calling someone. When you set up a shortcut to call someone specific in Launch Center Pro, I'm pretty sure it's still the same way. Uh, the app has to require you to confirm and tapping OK before the call is made. Uh, that's not the case in shortcuts. So for example, if I want to place a call back east to talk to my parents, I can do it with the shortcuts that I can trigger with my voice or uh, at the simple tap of a button. So those are very useful shortcuts that I use. And other than that, nothing nothing super, super complicated and multi-step yet. Again, I, I'm doing a lot of thinking about what would make sense in my workflow. And again, when I see uh, what you've come up with, David, and also Rose, uh, you guys uh, are an inspiration for sure. And I can see myself certainly expanding on my use of shortcuts in the next few months. It is fun to make big ones, but to tell you the truth, I think the real benefit of shortcuts is the smaller shortcuts, you know, the three to five step shortcuts that just solve a simple problem. And I think that's really what they're aiming for anyway. Um, Rose, do you do much URL callback at this point with the iOS 13 and and the way things work now? Not really. Most of the time, um, honestly, if an app is not willing to support uh, shortcuts, then I, I, I'm now at the point where I'm seriously considering dropping the application rather than continuing to use URL schemes because 
um, with the new parameterized shortcuts. Um, also, Apple uh, in in their WWDC, they were very clear that shortcuts is the future and URL schemes are insecure, uh, which means that at some point, at least from my perspective, they're going to be either dropping them or blocking them or something. Um, so I, I would very much avoid creating URL schemes yeah. uh, where possible. Though when when I do need to use them, I, I tend to, I tend to use Launch Center Pro to to generate them um, to give me a get me started on that. Yeah, it's interesting because with workflow, everything was URL scheme, anything that was of any interest, and really, it's just not the case anymore. I'm I'm working on a new field guide, and I I'm going to include a URL scheme section, but it's hard to even find good examples of what you want to use it with at this point. I mean, we used to always use it with weather and all this stuff, but they've added all those features now. And the applications are providing a direct conduit to shortcuts now, which is safer and more secure. And like Rose, I don't really want to use URL schemes. I feel like they're, they're more trouble than they're worth because they break and they aren't as stable as, as the new system. I should add a an, note an, of caution um, that, of course, parameterized shortcuts are only available in iOS 13. So uh, yeah. e- even when iOS 13 launches, not every application is going to be ready to support this straight off the bat. Yeah. Uh, depending on what their application is, they may have had a considerable amount of work to do this summer, thanks to, to Apple's annual announcement, or they may have not had so much work, but they, they had other priorities that they needed to get fixed. But if they're not planning on supporting parameterized shortcuts and they're just sticking with URL schemes, then... Well, I, I would at the very least caution any developer in that case to be considering and why they're doing that. Is there something that they can only offer through URL schemes that they can't offer through a parameterized shortcuts? And uh, maybe add a little documentation to the URL scheme page there as to why yeah. why you're not doing parameterized shortcuts instead. But with parameterized shortcuts, you actually get the app appearing in shortcuts and everything is so much easier. Yes, and it's much easier for anybody. So I, I, I could put a shortcut action in front of my mum. For example, um, I've been beta testing uh, the Drafts app, which will be released with iOS 13, hopefully, if all goes to plan for Agile Tortoise. Um, and, um, you know, the, the new shortcuts actions that they've got are great because you can input the text and everything and you can specify exactly what everything should do, tags, things like that. And that's great. And it's much easier for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with this or who quite frankly doesn't want to waste the time messing around with the url scheme to modify then you know it, it is to try editing a very long string of text in a very small url box on an iphone is it any surprise that drafts is at the front of this to anyone <laughs> this is my really not surprised face but very pleased <laughs> so JF, you sent us a note about something I want to talk about that I think everybody can benefit from. And it's just two words, Dropbox plus Chronosync. Yes, Dropbox plus Chronosync. Big right. fan, big fan. Automators <laughs> need to know about Dropbox plus Chronosync. Well, actually, yes. Chronosync plus anything, really, automators mm-hmm. should know about. But what are you doing with those two? Well, I, it goes back a little bit to uh, the workflow that Don and I have set up. So uh, Screencast Online, of course, very busy. We have a lot going on there. We do have a team Dropbox account that we share, and we've got a wonderful file structure and organization there. It's very well well organized. But Don and I both believe that no matter what, you should have a completely local copy of the content of Dropbox somewhere else on your system. In my case, 
It is on a uh, Lassie mobile SSD drive that I have uh, hanging from my iMac Pro. Very reliable drive, as drives go, of course. But I have a copy, a whole copy of that Dropbox file structure on my drive. And so that way I can work on it offline if I need to, uh, because we are doing synchronizing between those two on a very regular basis. However, if I'm working on a show, I don't always want automation to happen, syncing to happen. And the app that I use to do that is Chronosync. I've used Chronosync forever. And what Chronosync can do very well is synchronize those two instances. So the Dropbox that's online for the team with my local copy right here on my iMac Pro. And Don does the same thing out there in the UK. And so the advantage is multifold, right? We always have local copies of files. We always have up-to-date files. And when we're working, we have the opportunity or the option to suspend the scheduling because what we do is we automate the syncing of those folders. So when I get to my desk in the morning here in Las Vegas, it's already midday for dawn. And so I've gotten several notifications that folders were synced with no errors. So I know I'm up to speed. I know I can start my work. So I've set up quite a few and they're super useful to keep, make sure everybody has the right files at, at all times. Now, I did the same thing for our project, David, for the Shortcuts Field Guide. So, of course, we share a Dropbox file structure, and I did the exact same thing. I made a full local copy of the Dropbox contents, and I do, you know, I have one, for example, I know you submit new videos, new ScreenFlow files to me on a regular basis. So, I have a script in Chronosync that says, fetch David's submissions. In other words, go look in that folder in Dropbox and see if there's anything new. And if there is, go ahead and grab it and sync it across. Now, this isn't different from a sync, which would be in two directions, and you and you you would end up with all the files back on your in your folder, and we didn't want that. You and I talked about that. So the way I do it, I do fetch David's submissions, submissions, and they come to me, and they don't go back to you. So very useful stuff. Chrono Sync and Dropbox together, dream team right there. Yeah, Chrono Sync really was a big deal before things like Dropbox existed because. So many of us had to kind of roll our own synchronization systems, and that's what this tool was built for. I I paid for it, I, I know, over 10 years ago. Um, and they've always promised that, you know, you buy it once and you get free upgrades forever, and they've lived up to it. But they continue to evolve that app. It's now part of Fetch App, a, a, simil- a, a simplified version. It's called... Um, uh, it's like light, the light version, but it works just fine. In fact, that's the one I've been using, even though I have a license for the big version. I just use the setup version and um, it, it's fine, you know, and and there's so many things you do where you want to spin off a local copy of something. Like one of the ways I use this is it automatically copies everything out of my legal and my media files into one of the archive drives under my desk which so I, it's always automatically making copies of that stuff. And then when I want to make an offsite secure encrypted backup, I've got a source for that just because of all these Chronosync scripts running. And then you can also save those backups of the backups as Chronosync scripts as well. So you just plug in a drive and Chronosync opens up and says, I see you have this. You want me to, you, know, you want me to do my job? And you say, yeah. And it does it all in the background. It's a outstanding tool that combines automation with backup in a way that I don't think anything else does. I agree. And uh, I use the same, by the way, you and I both, it is part of setup. The, the app is called Chronosync Express and it's plenty powerful for what you have to do. I noticed it was there, 
And just like you, David, I have a uh, I have a, a license to the full version, but it was right there in setup. And on the day I set up our workflow, uh, the one that you and I are using, I saw Chronosync Express, and it works just fine. Yes, I've linked both of those in the show notes: the full version as well as the Express version, which is you can purchase the Express version directly from from Econ Technologies, the makers of Chronosync, or you can get it through setup. Um, and if you've already got setup, it's just a another wonderful way of uh, getting your money's worth. Yeah, that that's a nice workflow, and it sounds like you've been using it for a while. Yes, yes, I have, and it's uh, it's been it's been really wonderful to to know that it's just it gives you peace of mind. And I love the, what you mentioned about being able to back up things through an archive drive. I mean, anything you don't have to sit down and do manually. There's a much bigger chance it will get done, and you'll be protected. You'll have the right backups if you have to rely, as we used to many many years ago. How else could we get an iPhone backup? but to connect it to a computer. Those days are gone, thankfully. Uh, but back then it was like, oh my God, if I didn't back up my iPhone for a month and it went into the pool, I lose a ton of stuff. And thanks yeah. to automation tools like these, we don't have to worry about any of that anymore. Well, that's the goal with this show, honestly, is to find those friction points in your life and erase them with automation. And that's why we have folks on every week and we keep doing it. And uh, JF, you certainly have helped us. Uh, so today we learned about some good ideas for ScreenFlow or frankly, any complex application. I love the idea of chaining commands together and and you really have opened my eyes to doing that more often. I love that. And, uh, and hopefully we made some terminal and regular expression converts today as well. Jeff, where can folks find you? Oh, as far as uh, finding me online, quite simple. I'm not super active on Twitter, but you can find me there. Uh, my handle is JF Brissette without the vowel. So that's JF b-r-s-s-t-t on twitter so that's where you'll find me and uh come over and say hi love love to hear from you all all right we have i have written down here a regular expression show rose i think we're gonna do it we're just gonna okay. have to do it yeah i mean you're not really twisting my arm because i love regular expressions i i spent 45 minutes playing with regular expressions earlier today because that's the kind of automation nerd i am so well, we'll I, come back to that. I, I want to do that, but the trick is doing it with an audio podcast. But if any audio podcast could do it, the automators can. So we'll figure it out. And yes. uh, gang, we actually have additional stuff on our outline with JF, but we ran out of time. So that just means, JF, that you're going to come back at some point. And we're going to continue talking. Is that okay? That's awesome. Would be a pleasure. I would love to come back. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, ExpressVPN and Pushcat. We are the automators, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye.